If it goes right, it's a slice. If it goes left, it's a hook. If it goes straight, it's a miracle. This is Out of Bounds. If it's happening in the world of golf, we're talking about it. Coverage, debate, discussion, pro golf and local golf. Let's do it. This is Out of Bounds. And here are your hosts, Nate Sharman and Josh Derso. All right, welcome to the Wednesday edition of Out of Bounds. Josh Durso and Nate Sharman here getting you ready for the Travelers Championship. Uh, we are a couple days removed from the U.S. Open, so we will be putting a bow on that as well. And we'll start the show with five stories from the last week to get you caught up in the world of golf. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported last week that the DOJ is likely to investigate the PIF PGA deal for antitrust issues. Nate, uh, this was one that I texted you about middle of last week, but with everything going on with the U.S. Open, we couldn't really get into it. Um, but basically, what, what we have going on here is antitrust is antitrust. Uh, the PGA Tour uh, was a monopoly before Liv came into the picture, according to Liv, uh, which is what the DOJ was reportedly investigating. And now with Liv, with the PIF throwing a pile of money into the PGA Tour in this new entity that we don't know a ton about still, uh, is definitely going to get uh, regulators' attention. So now we know that the DOJ is still looking at this, uh, and there's a very good chance that someone from this new organization, I don't know if it's someone from the PIF or if it's someone from the PGA Tour or someone from uh, LIV, is going to have to convince regulators and DOJ investigators that this is better for the game of golf overall. Feels like a really heavy lift, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But I don't really see a scenario where any of the parties involved can go another direction. So I know that any of our listeners aren't going to expect law advice from me. You know, I'm a, a guy that doesn't really participate in the courtroom stuff things. But from my opinion, this is something that we knew that was going to happen, right? Especially because it was happening before even live and PGA merger was in the picture, right? They're going to try to figure out uh, due cause there and, and go forward with it. But um, the only thing I could think of, think from it is this is just going to take a while. It's oh, similar yeah. to me with the PGA and live merger stuff. We haven't heard a lot of details about that. Even we you know we're, we're what, two weeks now from, from the announcement. Yeah. We're still waiting on some details, some, some key details that'll move um, for, forward throughout the PGA tour. What's going to be called, all this, all the, how it's going to be ran, a bunch of different stuff that we're still looking for. So I think it's just going to take a while. And I wouldn't be surprised if we don't even really hear much about it. You know, maybe you might hear something about it in 2025, but um, it's, it's not something that I, I have on my radar in terms of, you know, making golf better for the common, the common man and, and watching the PGA tour. Right. So um, whether it's antitrust or not, isn't a huge deal to me on the golf side of things, but it will be interesting to monitor for sure. The only the only reason I don't think it's going to take that long, even if uh, an investigation is going to play out and take that long to come to any sort of conclusion, is you're going to have live players within the next six to 12 months who want to come back to the PGA Tour. Um, yeah, and I true. think the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour are going to come up with a framework of how that works. You know, it's interesting because I was just listening to some uh, debate uh, on my way back from the gym this morning uh, about what's going to be the next thing that sets players off. 
And I th- because it, it seems like since the initial news broke that there was the framework for a deal, we haven't heard players really get too uh, vocal about things. I think they're waiting for the next shoe to drop, basically. Yeah, definitely. And to that end, I would not be shocked if around the time of the FedEx Cup playoffs or perhaps a little after that, we get an announcement similar to the one that we got from the PGA Tour a couple weeks ago where everything's announced and the rules are the rules and the framework is now quote unquote complete and there isn't really time for any debate or any anything and they'll just proceed because I think that's what the regulators are going to ask for and I think that's probably what's happening behind the scenes now is all parties involved are scrambling trying to um, create structure for everything. So I, I right. don't think that just because we're not hearing anything publicly from players or from from the PGA Tour or Live or, or PIF's leadership that this is like just, you know, kind of being slow rolled. I actually think it's the opposite because of what the, the track record that we have so far. And that kind um, of flows into our next topic here with, with Jay yeah. Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, having to uh, step back with a, with, a, with a medical emergency, you know, just before the U.S. Open started last week. Um, we don't have a ton of information about uh, Jay Monahan's health. We hope the best for him for sure in that regard. But do you think that um, that this is going to affect kind of some of the news and stuff that's going to come out in the next few months? Or do you think they just keep going on even without Jay Monahan and, and just hoping for the best for him as well? Part of me wonders if this is an attempt to keep him out of the spotlight while these negotiations are happening. They provided absolutely no info. We literally know nothing. It's not that we haven't gotten any updates because we haven't gotten any updates since that initial announcement that um, Jay was going to be out and that a couple other senior leaders from the PGA Tour were going to be kind of filling his day-to-day shoes. We have no information about what the original issue was, what the issue is presently, or what the the circumstances are presently. We know nothing. I don't think it's going to affect anything, but at the same time, I kind of view this as step one to having a new commissioner of the PGA Tour. And that's, yeah. I know it's like, I know it's, it, believe me, it would be if we just, you know, didn't hear any major changes on his medical or any major updates on his medical condition. And, you know, the, the PGA Tour just effectively said in a couple months, um, he's fine. Everything's fine. He's now focusing his attention on this new entity because he's going to be the CEO of this new entity. And such and such a person is going to be appointed commissioner of the PGA Tour or take over as commissioner of the PGA Tour. Would you be at all surprised if that's how that played out? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, Josh, but I don't think they would do it like this. You know, I don't think this was ever their their, their plan, right? Their quote unquote plan. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. He's definitely. I mean, there's most definitely in my mind sick, and we. The reason we're not hearing anything is because you, you have the right to your privacy, right? We don't need to announce um, what's going on in terms of your health. So I don't. I don't think so. I don't think it's that's the plan. I think this is maybe it. Maybe it was the plan for Jay Monahan not to be in power of the PGA Tour next season. You know, to be more part of that new entity, right? Was was kind of seemed like the framework was going towards that. But I don't think the two, the, with Monahan's health being having him taken out and the new plan, I don't think they're related at all, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I just think it's a, a matter of circumstance. I think that's I feel like that's sure. how it'll it'll play out. Um all right, another live related topic. Um really bubbled after uh John Rahm's press conference. I believe it was on Tuesday um of US Open week. The John Rahm to live rumors have really heated up over the last uh week or so. Um, but once again, you know, there was a lot of speculation, especially on Twitter, that, you know, John Rahm was going to uh depart to live and it was gonna happen right after the US Open. And as far as I know, he's in the field this week at the the Travelers. I think oh, yeah. he's I think he's already on site. Doesn't look like it's happening. Um what do you make of this entire situation with Rom and how he keeps coming up again and again as this potential um is this potential jump for live golf? Well, I think the live golf tour is, is essentially dead, right? They have an they have an event this week and they have a few more events stand out this season. But from my mind, I don't I don't think I've seen an official announcement, but the live tour is not gonna be a thing next year. So I think it's not really, you know, necessarily important to think if John Rahm was going to live. Sure, we can speculate on it. Uh, my mind says he wasn't. He's such a PGA Tour junkie, right, John Rahm? He talks about some of the history of the PGA Tour and how much that means to him. Talks a lot about Sevi Ballesteros and a lot of that different stuff, too, especially nationality-wise. So I don't think that he would have done that. Is he a little bit, we'll say, upset or disgruntled with the PGA Tour? Sure. He, he was talking this week as, and in that same press conference he would not be here if he didn't have to be here. He's a guy that likes to play in the majors and likes to unwind the week after. And now this marks the second elevated event of the season that's going to be played after the majors. RBC Heritage was played directly after a major too as well. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that John Rahm comes out and says that in his press conference, that he would not be here if he didn't have to be here. Kind of had the Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I don't get fined energy to it, in my opinion, right? But I think he's definitely a little bit disgruntled with some portions of the PGA tour. I think the an, an announcing it out of the blue, that merger a couple weeks ago out of the blue kind of made players a little bit upset too as well. So there's definitely a few things going on there behind the scenes as well with some stuff that we don't know much about, but I think the fact that he could go to live, I, I think that's kind of dead. You know, there's just no way he would do that. Not for a couple of weeks. And I don't, I don't think it'll kind of last in terms of next year, especially if you have guys like Brooks Kapka. And Phil Mickelson maybe even coming back to the PGA Tour next year. Cameron Smith to name it, to name another one. I don't yeah. think that'll happen, but it is interesting to think about. They did report there was a report out there that a top player in the FedEx Cup standings and a top player in the world that was a former number one, which John Rahm was was planning on or thinking about going to live before the announcement was said. John Rahm is a couple other players that would be in that same category, but Rahm seems to be the most out of that out of those guys. So it is interesting to kind of speculate on if he would have went there had there not been a change in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we did a I, I when that story broke, we did a little bit of a quick dive. You and I did, and yeah. we basically found that it was I think three of them. It was Rory, Rom, Spieth, and Justin Thomas were four. Yeah, I believe there. Yeah, maybe Scheffler also was another one. But there I think were it was only a major like five winner, guys. A, for, a former twenty, former top player in the world in the last few years. Yeah. And it was like there was clearly no way, and obviously the speed and and <laughs> that goes back a ways. Um, but it, it almost had to be Rom if it was at all. And also with all of these, part of me just uh, wonders, you know, how 
much credibility do any of these reports at this point have? Because I, like you said, I agree. I don't think live is going to exist as it does today, next year. Um, to that end, I do. I just want to point one thing out because we talked about it on this, on the show after the masters, John Rahm's energy at Hilton head after the masters, obviously different outcome for him um, versus after this, uh, U.S. Open, this major, coming into this event, very different. His energy yes, is very different. Sure. Um, so I just, you know, it was all about, all about the kids and all about, you know, doing this for the right reasons, being committed. Um, then fast forward, here we are, and it's if I didn't have to be here, I wouldn't be here. Just want to point that to be fair, point criticism where it deserves to be. If John Rahm won last weekend, or if you played better. I think he might have a different attitude toward, or he might be putting out a different attitude towards being here this week. Cause really he did play well on Sunday though. He did shoot 65 in that closing he round did. of the U S open. But I think to that end, Josh, you're definitely right. And I also just think there's just so much going on in the last few weeks with the PGA tour, so much news to come out. So I think a sour taste is being put in these players mouths um, with people with, you know, the PGA tour and Jay Monahan taking the money. Right. And running with it as, as and I think some of these players like Rom are a little bit could be a little bit upset because they could have taken two hundred million dollars to go over to Live Tour just to come back to the PGA Tour in you know a year, a year and a half or whatever. It yeah, is. and and to that end, you know, some of these guys probably also just want a break. Middle That's of the right. season, they're exhausted. A few majors deep now, you know, it's just a matter of you know he probably really wants a break and I don't blame him. Um, the season does feel like it's going very fast. Well, that conversation another day. All right. This next topic, did Ricky Fowler miss his last chance for a major? There have been so many people saying this on Twitter and on social media because he kind of, a lot of people calling Sunday a meltdown, um, obviously didn't play as well as he did the first three rounds, but, um, some people saying it's over. Uh, what what's your take on that? I've got a whole I've got a whole rundown here, but I, I want to hear your your take on where he is right now. And if if, it, if you really think over. it's over, no, definitely not. I think it might. I think uh, Ricky Fowler is hitting his second sort of career. Right? Yep. He has the terrible year last year where he doesn't even doesn't even qualify at the U.S. Open last year. He he misses the qualifier yeah. too as well. It doesn't even play in the event. And then he gets to the offseason, uh, meets with Butch Harmon again, revives that kind of friendship they have, gets his putting game back in stroke, changes some equipment, makes it a little bit easier for himself. And then look at him this year. He's on a tear back inside the top 50 in the world, qualifying yeah. for every event he needs to play in. And fans still absolutely love him. I mean, yeah. there's nobody. I don't even think I'm a really big Ricky Fowler fan per se. And I was rooting hard for him on Sunday. So oh, yeah. I think I think he's definitely here to stay. Um, do I think that that might've been his best chance to win a major? Yeah, I think you could probably say that. I think he was in the driver's seat, you know, for most of that event. I don't think he played bad on Sunday. I don't think we could call it a meltdown. The putter went a little bit cold for him and you know, that can happen, especially on a big stage in the U S open, but I think surely he'll be back competing in major championships for the rest of his career. Yeah. I mean, I just looked at, I just look at the numbers and it's incredible. Like the season he's having is literally one of the most consistent, I mean, ever, um, he's only missed two cuts in 18 starts. He's got seven top tens. He's got 13 top 25s. Couldn't play in the Masters. His average finish finishing place in every tournament sits at 15. Um, it's kind of crazy to say that it's over for him. 
He's only one year older than Brooks Kepka. We think Brooks has a billion more majors in him. So to yeah. say that he's never going to have another chance. And by the way, um, he missed the cut at the PGA Championship. Uh, obviously, people are going to say, well, that's a major. Like he's, you know, he doesn't, he's clearly not performing as well in major. Well, wait a second. The PGA at Oak Hill was set up more like a U.S. Open and less like what we're going to see the PGA Championship set up like in the future, especially as they go southwest and they go southeast. I think anytime there's a PGA Championship held in Arizona, Florida, uh, or Texas even, I guess, anywhere in between, he has a legit chance of winning. Um and I don't really see any way you can argue that given how consistent his performance has been. We literally wondered if a guy like Ricky Fowler, as popular as he was, even when he wasn't playing that well, if he was going to qualify for a lot of events next year because of the rules associated with needing to be in top 50 in points and yada, 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 and all this other stuff. I mean, he's he's a shoo-in. He probably oh, yeah. could take the rest of the year off and he's still he's still going to qualify for everything next year. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Also, I, I don't know if he needs a win for the Masters. I don't know how that works. I, th- I think he might need a win. I'm not totally sure. I know that that top finish at the U.S. Open gets him in next year. And then he gets inside top 50 in the world now. I think he's right around 40. He might even be closer than that. So that gets him a lot of other exemptions, too, as well. So, yeah, he's sitting pretty for, for next season on the PGA Tour. I mean, he's 17th in the FedEx Cup points. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, he, he would be playing at Eastlake. You know, sure. like, think about it. If Eastlake was tomorrow, he'd be playing. It's crazy. Um. So some follow-up here on the Rory McIlroy criticism. Some observers wondered uh, why he keeps trying to hit these fades in crucial moments. Uh, A lot of people know he's got that big, powerful draw. It's not a big draw, but he can play a consistent, steady draw. You know, I was listening to some uh, feedback from some of the guys that were on the grounds this past weekend. And basically... A lot of the top players, including Ricky Fowler, who we just talked about, and uh, Dustin Johnson and Rory, basically described it like this. When you see these guys hitting a fade instead of a draw, even if they are a draw prefer player, they're not doing it because of the technology. Basically, the ten, it makes sense. They boiled it. Those guys boiled it down to this. It's getting harder and harder to draw these drivers because they are emphasizing low spin distance. Right. And it's getting harder to keep the ball in the air to draw it, to turn it over, to generate enough spin. And the golf ball is not helping either. Um, so when you see a guy like Rory McIlroy not hit a draw at a point where you would think he'd hit a draw, that's why. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think that was the reason why he lost the U.S. Open or didn't win the U.S. Open. Um but it's just something to keep in mind because a lot of these guys are opting to hit their three wood when they need to hit a draw instead of driver because the fairway metals are still workable, whereas the drivers are becoming unworkable because every driver, every manufacturer is trying to create the longest driver that, that's ever been placed on earth. Yeah, so. faders, faders win the U.S. Open. That's just kind of a fact. I don't, I don't have the exact stats for you for guys that win, but that's definitely something that's been talked about a lot in U.S. Opens. Look at who won there this year. Wyndham Clark definitely fades the golf ball for sure. Absolutely pounds yeah. it too, by the way. 
Wyndham Clark, a lot of fun to watch. We have, we don't, we haven't really said his name yet. He was won the U S open. So yeah. really a really good performance by him. Sorry to get off track there, but yeah, I think you need to just keep playing your game. If you're Rory McIlroy, if you're going to play the fade, play the fade. A lot of people have made a lot of money off, off of that. I don't think that's the reason he, he lost or didn't win. Right. You know, he got on there on Sunday and I thought he hit the ball pretty well. He hit, I think it was like 15 or 16 greens in regulation on, on Sunday at the U S yep. open. And he just couldn't buy a putt. And a lot of them, a couple of them hit the hole. A couple of them were, were, you know, were pretty close to going in. It had eerie shades to me of the Open Championship last year, where Cameron Smith went went bananas on that back nine to beat Rory McIlroy, who was just par in the place to death, kind of like how he was at LACC. So, um, I think Rory, you know, we talked about it being a positive for him, and I think a little bit of it is because he's going to be able to just keep taking these moments and hopefully, and I, and I, not to not hopefully, I know he's going to win another major in the next few years. That's a fact for my mind. Yeah, I mean, look, you want to talk, you mentioned Ricky Fowler kind of hitting his second act, if you want to call it that. Um, I think when Rory wins another major, it's going to begin his second act. The Open Championships at Royal Liverpool this year where Rory has won the Open Championship before. Yes. So, Um, yeah. Think about something there. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's get into this coming week. Uh, We've got the Travelers uh, Championship, excuse me, uh, Nate, what do you have for us as far as the golf course and what we are going to see this weekend? So we are flying across the country this week. We were in LA last week, obviously. Now we're in Connecticut at TPC River Highlands. Par 70 again, 6,800 yards, so significantly shorter than last week. And we got an elevated event, right? So we have a really, really good field. 37 of the top 50, including eight of the top 10 in the world. Jordan Spieth, Cameron Smith, your emissions there in the top 10. So we're looking to just keep moving on in this PGA Tour season. It doesn't seem like we take many breaks as well. So let's talk a little bit more about this tournament. Last year, we saw Xander Schauffele in the winner's circle at 19 under par. And he put on a pretty decent show on Sunday. Josh, if you remember, uh, one of your favorites, Sahith Gala, was in, in kind of track to win this tournament. where he had a little bit of bunker trouble towards the end of that round. And uh, Xander was able to get the win. But a couple interesting stats from this tournament. Each person that has won the Travelers Championship since 2016 has played in the U.S. Open, which I I, th- I thought was a little bit interesting to see. But Very more so, you're going to see a little bit of reprieve for these players in terms of scoring. You know, the U.S. Open is traditionally harder, a little bit not as hard this year at LACC, but still at about the winner was 10 under with Wyndham Clark. So you're going to see a little bit closer to 20 under. As I said, Xander Schauffele was 19 under last season when he got the victory there. Jim Furyk has the scoring record for the PGA Tour here. We shot 58 back in 2016. That's Crazy. 58 for 18 holes for Jim Furyk. What a round at TPC River Highlands. Yeah, incredible event. And obviously, um, you know, there's been some criticism of having elevated events right after majors. I like it. I think events like this are absolute marquee uh, events for the PGA Tour and to not be having these during your prime time. I think of June, July, and August as like your prime time. Pack them in, man. Pack them in. The geography planning a little bit interesting to me that they played in LA. Now they're flying across the country, right, into a three-hour time difference to play in Connecticut. That can yeah. be talked about, I think, a little bit. And I think that's why we talked about earlier with Rom a little bit, a little bit not happy that he had to play. It's just a big toll on your body, right? Especially the U.S. Open. It's just absolutely exhausting on the mental side of things. Yeah, but to that end, I mean, the course sets up significantly shorter. I mean, for a yes. lot of these guys, let's be honest, this is going to be 
I don't want to say it's going to be a gimme week, but this is going to be a week that requires a lot less mentally of the players for the course than last week did. Still playing against some of the best players in the world, right? I, like I said, 37 of the top 50. So it'll be a, a very good test for these players. All right, let's get into our favorite part of the week. Let's get our picks. Josh, you go first and let us know you're thinking to hoist the trophy on Sunday. Scotty Scheffler. He's six to one. I just think it's a no brainer. His game is right there. I mean, literally right there. He's He continued his tear this past week. It's funny, some uh, some of the folks watching the final round of the U.S. Open said he seemed a little disengaged on the final few holes. I think it was because he knew he was out of it. And he's just kind of an autopilot. Like, he's playing so well. He's basically just an autopilot when he's not actually leading the golf tournament, which is absolutely crazy to think about. Um, Yeah. Scotty Scheffler, six to one. If you're betting anybody before anybody actually hits a golf shot, I don't see how you pick anyone other than him. I agree with you. And that's why I'm going to pick somebody different. I got Matt Fitzpatrick this week, 40 to one going a little bit farther down the, the odds leaderboard to get the Matt. He's played well lately. One at Harbor town uh, back in April, right at the RBC heritage. And since then he has four top twenties and only one missed cut in six events. So I, I think Matt's going to notch another win in an elevated event. He's played very well lately. We've seen his name on leaderboards after kind of having a tough t- start to the season. So I'm going yep. with Matt Fitzpatrick to uh, win this week, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and then uh, sleeper pick time. What do you have or who do you have for your sleeper pick this week? I feel like I've picked this guy a couple different times, but I'm going to go with Shane Lowry as my sleeper. He's just such a good player, and he hasn't really won a lot on the PGA Tour. I think he only has two, maybe three. I think he has two wins, one being the Open Championship, right? So I I, yep. I would love to see Shane Lowry play well. I got one more that I didn't write down, Aaron Ray. Uh, plus one, ten, plus hundred, hundred thousand, I believe. So take, put a little flyer on him. I think he's been playing well. He's the guy with two gloves, so you can't miss him. Iron covers as well. So I think Aaron will play well in, in this event. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily have a sleeper pick as much as I just got to say it. We need to put some respect on Wyndham Clark's name. This guy just won the U S open and he's already won an elevated event and he's 40 to one on the odds board. I get it. Rebounding from a U.S. Open win to win the week after. It's only happened seven times ever. It's happened twice after the U.S. Open. But he's won twice. We've got an elevated event and a major. And by the way, his seven top tens this season, there are only four players in the field with more top tens than him this season. Think about that. Only four players in the field have finished in the top 10 more than him. 40 to one. I mean, I, I get, I get it. It's a, it'll be a heavy lift, but having his odds that high feels super disrespectful of the guy who literally just held off the best golfers in the world in the U S open on a challenging golf course. That win by Wyndham Clark was so impressive. I was, I've been just talking to people the last few days and that golf on Sunday was just incredible with the incredible people played. It's so, it would have been so easy for Wyndham Clark to kind of lay down, right. And, and not be able to kind of, capture the moment and, and win that major championship. We talked about it on the last podcast. He hasn't really contended in major championships. He's never really been around on Sunday and had a chance to win. And the first time he does, he he converts it. So pretty cool by Wyndham Clark. I don't think he's going to go away anytime soon. But like you said, Josh, it's just so hard to win back to back weeks. Um, but if anyone can do it, I wouldn't be surprised if Wyndham Clark does it. 
Yeah, I mean, it was interesting listening to all the press he did after uh, the U.S. Open, you know, talking about that first win in that elevated event essentially gave him the belief that yes. he could win a major because he goes, it's the exact same field plus some qualifiers. It's, yeah, the, it's sure. the same field. I can do this. And he kept reminding himself over and over again. Um, I think fatigue is probably going to be the bigger issue for one Wyndham Clark than anything else. I'm sure Sunday night was a late night and I'm sure it turned into Monday. And now you're traveling across the country and you probably aren't going through your, you probably aren't in your normal rhythm for the week if you're him, but watch out the rest of the season, man. He is, he is there and he is a guarantee he is a lock for the Ryder cup, oh, by definitely. the way, guaranteed, uh, women's PGA championship coming up, uh, this weekend. That's a big one. Uh, what do you got for us there? Another major for the women as they play in the KPMG Women's PGA Championship in Springfield, New Jersey at Baltrasol Golf Club. It's the second major of the season, like I said. And uh, last year, we had NG Chung in the winner's circle at Congressional. So we'll see who we can crown this year. Uh, the, the favorite is Athea Titical. She is the she's a young player. She's 20 years old, I believe, Josh. Do you remember the 14-year-old that won over in Thailand? Yes. A couple years yeah. ago, I believe. Yeah, well, about six years ago now, So seeing as she's 20. But yeah. We'll be watching for her to see if she uh, contributes there. Or we're watching for one of our favorite players on the LPGA Tour, Rose Zhang, as she plays in her first major debut after turning pro just about a month ago. So we'll see what happens there. Josh, it seems like the LPGA is in really good hands with some of these young players, by the way, not to go off target too much here. But you got a 20-year-old as the favorite. Rose Zhang is about the fifth or sixth person down that list. Uh, I would say the LPGA is in really good hands in terms of having young talent and kind of blossoming it and putting it um in the forefront as well. Yeah, I, I think um, by the looks of things, and obviously we're very early in this uh, Rosang process, we'll call it. She's, I mean, literally a couple weeks, couple weeks into her professional career here. Um, She's already won. <laughs> it very much feels a bit like the beginning of the Tiger Woods era in terms of, I'm not saying Rosang is going to be the Tiger Woods of, of the LPGA Tour. Um, in terms of having some, a handful of uh, big brand commodities that can really bring the tour to the next level. And I think with all of the changes that are happening on the PGA tour side, um, I think it's only a matter of time before we start to see some spillover investment from this new entity that comes out. Uh, and that of course will help the LPGA tour as well. Um, there's been lots of talk about purses needing to be bigger and everything of that. So, you know, I think this is the LPGA tour is in an incredible spot and we have been watching for the last two days. Now the odds move on Rosang by the hour. It seems I checked this morning and she was down to 16 to one yesterday afternoon. She was at 18 to one and yesterday morning she was at 20 to one. So incredible stuff there. Um, probably worth throwing a couple bucks on, on uh, her to win as well, because she's literally one and oh. She won. Yeah. She's undefeated. Yeah, Josh, I don't know. The, the Tiger comparisons, I think, are real. She went to Stanford. Tiger went to Stanford. Rose won her first start. So I don't think it's it's unrealistic to say that maybe she could do it. I mean, is it putting a lot of pressure on the young player? Sure. Yeah. But we can see that she won that tournament in a playoff in a very slow pace of play around. So pressure's not getting to her at all. You can say whatever you need to say. She's just going to go win golf tournaments. Yeah, if you can serve, if you can survive slow golf, you can be really successful on the PGA Tour or LPGA Tour because slow golf ain't going anywhere, no matter how much we talk about it. 
All right. Hey, that is going to do it for this edition of Out of Bounds. We will be back on Sunday to recap the Travelers Championship. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for the latest golf news, new episodes, and plenty of other content. Remember, whether it's down the middle or out of bounds, keep on swinging. You've been listening to Out of Bounds. If it's coverage, debate, or discussion of pro and local golf, we'll be talking about it. Be sure to visit the website. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. See you next time on Out of Bounds.